All right. Welcome everyone back to dissecting popular IT nerds today. Famous. Um, we have a Schwab on the show, uh, Rick Schwab. Uh, welcome to the show, man. And uh, this kind of all started because we were talking, um, I don't know, just, I guess it's not really flexing. It's just, you know, talking about the life of uh, fatherhood and uh, you have four kids. So that's, that's, I don't want to say it's not normal, but it's not the not the usual, you know. And I'm just used to having eight kids. And I think when I walk around in public, I think we look really wild and crazy, piling out of like a, a passenger van and stuff. But, anyways, um, congratulations on on um, you know raising other human beings. But uh, more importantly, director of information technology, uh, business infrastructure mastermind, cybersecurity ninja, um, and you are at Cast Nylons. What is a cast nylon, by the way? Um, good question. So cast nylon is um, a very, very highly needed product for a lot of the infrastructure of this country. It's a, think of it like this, you know, if you go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you find like uh, that, you see that Trex decking or that really expensive decking, yeah. it's kind of like a polymer plastic where you know, in a pulp and, and, you know, you, you spend a fortune on it, but guess what? You don't have to maintain it. You don't have to pressure wash it. If it gets mm. chipped, it's kind of the same uh, color throughout. Nice. Um, so it, it's, it's, it takes years to master uh, a, a cast nylon. And so to give you an example, it's kind of like, uh, you know, gears or uh, we do a lot of work for, um, you know, a lot of industrial companies out there. I, I guess, to give you a kind of an example, I can show you. This is an audio show, by the way. So even though you and I see each other, no one's going to see this. So we're going to have to describe this really well. So decking, by the way, they've they've trained you well. I see. This is you know, you're. Are you sure you're in IT or are you in sales for? for no, Cast I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm okay. Pretty After this, you're going to be like, hey, we're moving you over to. Uh, we're moving you over <laughs> to the sales side, which is. You know, which is a rare thing for, I guess, so the the stereotype is that IT guys are kind of nerdy. They hide out in the server closet, which doesn't exist anymore because that's all moved to AWS or Azure, theoretically speaking, unless you guys still have many server closets, which is entirely possible because there's still a bunch of people out there on, you know, um, what is it? AS400s, those old, the IBM, the IBM servers. So, um, what does IT look like in your organization? And I've been um, I've been bugging various different. I never I never know whether to talk about security or not during certain aspects of this show because some organizations are big enough to have a CISO. Um, other organizations are still big enough to have a CISO and just won't pay for it, and then they'll just say, "No, that's IT's job." So why don't we just start with um, security, man? What's your um, what's your philosophy on security nowadays, or I guess policy, or how do we, why would you consider yourself a ninja? Well, you know, I, we live in a very dangerous world and, you know, I, I, I am a certified, um, cybersecurity engineer. And mm -hmm. I think that at this point in time, there are so many businesses out there who don't know if they're vulnerable or not, uh, not only that. But I think there's a lot of, of, of companies out there in, in all industries that uh, realize that if they don't have, you know, an established cybersecurity insurance, that they may be forced to get it soon, um, or if they haven't been audited before, that they're going to be audited. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and you know, my previous role, I did a lot of compliance and I do a lot of penetration testing, a lot of, you know, vulnerability scans. And I would see, you know, we would go to law firms, we'd go to collection, you know, companies, we'd go to uh, pharmaceutical companies. So there's HIPAA compliance, there's FINRA compliance, all those things. And every year, it seems like the standards and all the security that you need to set and have in place to pass your audits, you know, are, are growing. And, you know, the, the the details that need to be set in stone for you to pass your audit are, are very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it got to the point where, you know, you know, I, instead of really, um, in, instead of selling and, and so forth, it kind of is starting to sell itself. We would have clients call uh, me up and, and uh, say, I need you instead of us marketing out to them. And, you know, and so be, before my role here at, at Cast Nylons, uh, by the way, you asked about what is a Cast Nylon. So Cast Nylon, C-A-S-T-N-Y-L-O-N.com. If anyone wants to check it out. We're the largest manufacturer of cast nylons in North America. Okay, so that's done. I'm thinking but, uh, of redoing. I'm thinking of redoing my deck, and uh, I want a discount for <laughs> plugging. For plugging. <laughs> well, I promise good. we'll put your. We'll you know we'll 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 put your name all over my deck <laughs> and film it. That was more of an analogy of what we manufacture, but you'll have to check out the site to see. Okay, I'm um, doing it. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, my my role before this, so. Um, I, uh, I worked for a national franchise um, and they were uh, a national MSP, $100 million MSP. And, uh, you know, I started off as a chief engineer um, years ago with them and did so well. Um, I ended up getting awarded my own franchise and I actually ran, had my own territory and ran my own business. And, you know, um, services offered were across the board. It did, you know, from monitoring, managing, Mm-hmm. Um, networks and systems and establishing purity. And mm-hmm. a, a big part of that business, it was so interesting because, you know, seven, eight years ago, you know, there wasn't a lot of, of, of cybersecurity work or we didn't do a ton of assessments or, or network, you know, penetration, see where companies were vulnerable. We would just throw on like a Sentinel one and protect them. And then it, it rapidly changed. And especially once I, started doing my own marketing and, and getting my own clientele, you know, I had people just reaching out to me, oh my God, I'm getting audited for the first time. Oh my gosh, you know, uh, I think we may have ransomware. Oh my gosh, you know, and 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 it's scary. I, I think that, you know, one of the, the biggest concepts that any business owner needs to realize is, you know, and I'll do this all the time, but when I go to, you know, do seminars or, or give speeches on on cybersecurity whether i if let's say i'm in a in a room and there's maybe 15 people in a round table i will take all my credit cards out of my wallet my id and i'll throw it on the table and i'll say guys go ahead take a picture do what you want you know and they're going oh what the hell is he doing you know and and, and really you know i've got everything protected i'm not worried about myself but my point is you know, I, I let them do that. And actually, one time somebody did take a picture. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah. um, but uh, then I'll, I'll pick them up all the table. And I said, well, here's the deal. Okay. These criminals now out there, they don't give a shit about my credit card, my ID. They don't want that. You have to bleed in their minds, Phil, that they want the whole thing. I'm talking every company asset. 
They want the company bank accounts. They want to lock it down and put you out of business. That is the approach now. That is their goal. Okay. Nobody like, again, you know, my, my personal stuff, you know, I don't have that large of a credit limit anyway. So, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, they, that you got to get it to, okay, well, you know, I'm business owner. I'm thinking, oh, they might get, you know, some of my records or this and that. They're not after that now. It, it's a competition. They, you know, biggest pot that you can, you know, get wins. And, and it's like, it's like hackers, you know, there's always a challenge, you know, and their, all, their goal is to always be able to practice systems that couldn't be cracked. And they're always going to find out a way. You know, it blows my mind how many, how many people who actually work for our federal government that uh, are in our security defense who basically just came out of prison. You know, it's it's amazing. You know, they 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 get caught, you know, but they they did a uh, it's almost like a job interview. OK, they get caught, and you know, doing something big, you know, but they were able to crack a certain code. So the government's going in there and saying, hey, I'll tell you what, do you like to rot your ass in jail for the rest of your life or you can work for us? We'll give you a two hundred fifty thousand dollar salary. Now, if you screw up, you know, you're back in the in, in the cell. Mm -hmm. But, you know. And, and they basically are, are making a living and lifestyle now protecting us. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it would, I think it would have surprised most of us how many, you know, former criminals are actually protecting us now, but th that's the kind of mindset we need, you know? And uh, so, yeah. I interviewed uh, Jeremiah Grossman, I don't know, a couple years ago. And uh, yeah, he got his job at, I think it was at Yahoo by, like, you know, breaking into Yahoo, whatever it was years ago, and then like emailing them with like another, you know, fake email address and saying, Hey, by the way, like, I didn't, I just thought you guys should know that there's a vulnerability here. And they're like, you know, thank you very much. We understand that you want to be like anonymous, but can we send you a t-shirt or something? You know, can you give us your address? And then he ended up, you know, being their VP of something over there. I can't remember exactly what his title was, but that was, um, you know, it's simply, you know, similar type of thing, probably simpler day back then. It's, it's, uh, like you said, technology is, has grown so much and changed so much now. Is there even, what's your, what's, uh, any strategy moving forward? I mean, is it like less is more type of thing? Or, you know, the more we move stuff to the cloud, the more secure it is, or the less secure it is, the more we allow, um, stuff outside of our, I mean, what is it more, more zero trust stuff or what's the, is there anything that you can give to the, you know, the, the layman IT director that they could, is, is there any stuff that other than, you know, the usual two factor authentication or stuff like that, is there anything that we should be doing to engineer our networks from even a network perspective, maybe vendor perspective, um, that most people don't do or that you're seeing most people don't do? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't um, two-factored two -factored or, uh, you know, put in some type of multi-factor for almost everything, you know, then you're behind. I, I would say that, you know, if you're utilizing a cloud infrastructure, you know, the more secure the, uh, the cloud is going to be, who's, you know, who's hosting that cloud, who's responsible for it, you know. So, you know, and a lot, it's funny because a lot of people and you know, they find a deal on on cloud-based storage and so forth. Well, you don't know if it's uh, Billy Bob's down in, in some basement in West Virginia, and you know, or, or, you know, and there's your cloud. You know, I, I think that you know you really have to do your research, and, and I think the companies now, especially if they've established really good cybersecurity insurance, and they've had it not only that, but also had an IT consultant that is very 
uh, knowledgeable in cybersecurity, help them work to get the cybersecurity insurance because a lot of times, you know, the, these insurance companies, you know, before they, you know, evaluate whether they'll they'll protect them or not, they have them fill out, you know, documentation. And, you know, if you, you don't have everything in there, you know, written correctly, you know, they it can ultimately hurt you in the end um, as far as risk and liability. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, a lot of things, too, I think encryption um, is is super important, you know, especially like encrypted backups. You know, if you're utilizing cloud services, um, are you doing a cloud to cloud type backup and is it encrypted? Um, you know, and back in the day, it used to be, OK, tapes and hot sites and cold sites and so forth. I think, you know, if you really, you know, if I'm if I'm the business owner and my data is critical and I got 15 years of data, you know, I'm still doing that on top of my cloud backups, on top of my cloud to clouds, and I'm encrypting and I'm, I'm you know, I'm protecting all my assets, you know, um, and, and also, you know, disaster. It's a good point. Like, why should a place be shut down for more than a day? Exactly. Yep. How is it like my sister's hospital had a ransomware attack? I think they were down for like three days or something. Yeah. A hospital. Hospital. I know. I know. Um, I was the uh, former uh, IT manager for CBS television. And uh, I see I, remember- that. I was going to bring yes. that up. It's nice. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, I got lots of good stories. So, um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, ransomware, that's where I had my first kind of uh, uh, experience with it. And uh, it's quite wild. So, Tell me a CBS story. <laughs> okay, so the worst one you can think of. <laughs> okay, so uh, you know, and, and here's the thing. So uh, you know, CBS is divided by a lot of different you know stations, and it all depends on you know um, the, the parent company and, and certain who owns uh-huh. X stations across the country. Yeah. Regardless, so uh, each station had you know its own appointed IT manager, and then um, you know there was a corporate IT as well. And, you know, your your responsibilities were, you know, pushing out, you know, updated dat files and so forth and making sure your servers and systems and, mm-hmm. and so forth, getting all the updates. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I think it was back in maybe 2016 when, um, you know, I, it was a Friday evening and, and you know, I, I, at that time I didn't have much of a life but working uh, kids and, and, you know, and, mm-hmm. You know, I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do this because I don't feel like doing it Monday morning. Yeah. And I went deployed, you know, and we were using a semantic endpoint uh, protection at that time. And I went and deployed all my data up, file updates and, and uh, you know, hit every server and got everything, you know, up to date. And I'll never forget, um, it was that weekend, you know, sirens are going off. And uh, ransomware was 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 pushed and, and flooding all the other stations. Hmm. And you know, I, I remember my director of technology going, "Get to the studio now!" You know, and, and mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" You know, and um, I got so lucky because I pushed out those updates. It actually blocked the ransomware, and and I was like, "Oh man!" You know, and. Like, come on, guys. Of- See, like, guys, come on. What's wrong with you? I'm fine. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> right. guys, what's up? Like, I'm fine. Like, what do you guys do? Right. And, um, <laughs> yeah, the other stations are screaming, and then you know, people are screaming to me, like, "We're infected. We're everything's you know going to hell." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm on my way." I get there, and I'm sweating. I'm going to, you know, what? How bad is this gonna be? And uh, 
you know, I, I don't know, uh, you know, and what I do know, I, I really can't say, but, but I will, I will tell you this, that there was, you know, lots of money spent and uh, some stations were kind of adamant and were protected and others, you know, not so much. And it was, uh, it was my first wake up call with ransomware. Um, mm, but you, you know, guys, I, you were fine. Yeah, we were great. We were good. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so great. You're like, oh, yes. Uh, back to work, guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was great because I remember our, our national like meeting we had every week with our corporate IT. And they're like, you got to do your due diligence just like uh, Rick Schwab did. Yeah, you be know? just like Rick, guys. Okay, Rick, congratulations. Uh, here's your $50 gift certificate to the Outback. Thank you very much. <laughs> No, uh. <laughs> it was funny because I was like, you know, I I was just trying to prevent more work on Monday and doing my job. I, I got lucky. I mean, you know, I honestly did. But it, it was a wake up call, and it, and it taught me to, you know, no matter what platform, you know, your your company's utilizing protection against viruses, malware, yeah. you know, always, always, always make sure that you're monitoring and keeping everything up to date. Um, Put some isolation on your note, okay? Uh, what does that mean? So like a Sentinel-1, yeah, if a threat's found or something, have it lock it down like, it, like it's in a prison cell. You know, yep. don't let it spread to your network and your outlook contacts and, and have a nightmare. You know, we'll lock it down. Mm. And, you know, if it's removable, great. If not, wipe it. Get rid mm. of it. Yeah, I used to uh, quarantine my children, too. <laughs> <laughs> you you're in this room here's a tv no one go in or no one comes out <laughs> like uh yeah my mother-in-law has a story about me quarantining my oldest daughter one time remember when we couldn't see her when we came to your house like, <laughs> right. like now there's be people at my door um from a career perspective well first of all this is always fun um what was your first computer and how did you get started in loving a loving of technology was it a love or a hate or what what was your like what was your childhood like okay so you know this is a psychology show too it's it's fine it's fine um i took my meds this morning no um no (laughs) i have not yet people can't see me but i'm stretching in the background with this big rubber band because i pulled a muscle i have been in the worst pain I've ever been in my entire life. I've had multiple surgeries before I do jujitsu. I've had injuries. I've had bad things. I pulled a muscle last week and it has been five days of just hell. And it's just a weird little muscle like behind my shoulder blade from like the corner of like, I guess it is just historically known, but I have been sleeping in weird positions, tying my arm up in the air. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing the show on muscle relaxants right now, but that doesn't really, I don't think that affects, it doesn't affect your brain or anything. I want to do that. And, but I'm, you know, I'm not that relaxed, (laughs) but anyways, um, yes, computer childhood. Yes, yes. Well, you know, just to kind of reflect on that, you know, is it me or just like the older you get, you got to kind of watch like everything you do. You know, I think uh, it was a few months ago, I I bent down, I I bent down to tie my shoe and I I guess I did it wrong and I pinched a nerve in my neck and went down my arm and I was in hell for like a week and I'm like, ah, yeah, getting old is fun. It's probably the same thing. Yeah, I know. What? How? Yeah, I went to the doctor. He's like, oh, it probably wasn't the surfing. It probably wasn't the jujitsu. It wasn't the pull-ups. You probably, you probably just slept wrong. Yeah. That's what he said. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, no 
people, right? So, um, but yeah, okay. So childhood, yeah. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Cincinnati. Um, you know, went to a really good school there. I was I was more of a jock. I you know, I football, wrestling, um, oh, nice. baseball. You know, in the sports, and and uh, ended up. Um, you know, getting into some trouble, not really my fault, but whatever. And I was going to be uh, wrestling for districts in Cincinnati and had kind of, you know, scouts out there looking, you know, looking for me and could have had kind of a kind of a scholarship. But, it, you know, something, you know, it, it didn't happen. And, uh, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. So I didn't, you know, whine about it. I just moved forward. Ended up staying uh, in Cincinnati and going local to, you know, to the University of Cincinnati. That's where kind of the, uh, I guess I found my niche. You know, just like any other college student, you know, I needed a job. And uh, I was uh, living on campus with a buddy of mine in an apartment above uh, above this uh, mom and pop little computer shop called PC Warehouse and Supplies. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, this, I'm looking for a job. I, I go down the steps and I walk outside and I open up the door and, and I'm like, hey, uh, are you guys hiring? And, and they're like, well, do you know how to build computers? I said, no, but I'm studying computers in school. <laughs> <laughs> Quick learner. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I honest to God, it, you know, and to this day, you know, these guys are, are like heroes to me. Two uh, Iranians, uh, an uncle and a nephew, you know, raised in sight. If you're out there and you hear this, hope you guys are well. Um they brought me in with open arms, honestly, uh-huh. you know, knowing I didn't know shit. And they they literally showed me the ropes. And you want to talk about first computer? This is a Pentium one. I remember Pentium twos came out and it was like the size path of peanut butter and belly jelly sandwich and had that slot A and we're going, ooh, you know. But it, it got to the point where I kid you not, I was going to classes uh, at UC. And, you know, as I went to different rooms and, and stuff, I go, oh, I, I built that machine. I ran that. Now. You know, I had all my buddies and, you know, one point to run a bunch of network lines. And, and uh, yeah, and people people back then are like, what's a network? I, yeah, right. I just I never get sick and tired of talking about this because it was such the fun days. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still build a computer now. I guess gaming nerds, you know, like they're going to build their computers and stuff like that. But it was just it was just so different back then. Like I remember oh, yeah. when the Pentium, the first Pentium chip came out, and we're like, dude, what is that? Pentium. I want that. And it was like so expensive. And you had a friend that had a Pentium and I had a 386. Oh, yeah. 386. That was my first, like my first PC was a 386. Before that, it was an Apple IIc with like, you know. That's not even like in your, it wasn't even like, it was a computer, but I mean, you could do word processing and stuff like that. But um, yeah, that was great. So you had a lot of fun getting in that job then. So they're like, here you go. Here's a motherboard. Screw it here. Do this. Tighten in this CD-ROM drive. And I honestly didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, here's what I knew how to do. You know, when I was in high school, I mean, my dad had a 386 and I knew how to put in the floppy disk and play Leisure Suit Larry. I thought that was fantastic. Mm. Um, (laughs) Everyone did. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. And, uh, you know, so, so it was really, really interesting. And that's, and then like, okay, then it got deeper. So I'm like, all right, well, all of a sudden I was, you know, building machines fast, learning so fast. And then it was like, I don't want to say like the matrix, but it, you know, it's kind of like all of a sudden, like math for computer logic and numbers and, and networking and stuff just made sense to me. 
you know, mm. and, you know, my, my father's kind of, you know, like a hero to me. He was uh, an entrepreneur for, you know, 35 years running his own wastewater oil recycling company. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, he always taught me, you know, stick with what you're naturally good at, but make sure you like it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, when I'm seeing like the light in IT, I'm going, why, why this, you know, I'm like, can't I just be like a, like a, firefighter in the air force or a firefighter, uh -huh, you know, uh -huh. and this and that, I'm going, why does this make so much sense? You know? Yeah. And so, you know, you ask me, you know, did I fall in love with it? You know, at first, no, but, but it made sense and I wanted good grades and I stuck with it. And, and then, you know, when I got strong enough, it was kind of like, okay, where do I want to go in this field? What's going to make me happy, but also make sense. And so, you know, I kind of molded it into enjoyment and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's like Confucius, you know, you love what you do for a living and ever work a day in your life. Well, there's some truth to that, but not, not the whole truth. So it, it leads me to the, another question, which is you're at an MSP for a long time. So the MSP models very different than being a director of information technology, Correct. Maybe not completely different, but the, it's just, there's MSP model and then there's director of information technology. So I'm just curious what that change was like and how happy are you that you made that change? Like, because there's people, there's people that are growing up in IT right now. There's people that are in IT. There's people that are in MSP right now. There's people serving small businesses, larger businesses, enterprise, you know, bureaucracy. There's all kinds of stuff. I happen to love and my favorite people to work with in the world are IT directors and IT managers, VPs of IT, CTO, CIO at mid-market, heart of America companies. That's a, Those are just the people that after when I look back at all of the technology stuff that we've worked with, it, it wasn't you know tons of small business owners who don't appreciate the value of IT and are just like, How, why is this bill so high for IT? You know, because your business wouldn't survive without it. You know, like I don't, you know, like, um, and it's not, you know, being in such a massively large bureaucratic company that I'm just getting a paycheck every week and there's nothing exciting. There's no, I don't know. There, there's nothing to save or growth or new market to fix or something like that. It's kind of just business as usual and your employee headcount number 3,406 or something, you know, what I'm just curious, what, uh, what is, uh, your take on, on all of that and whether you love what you do. And, um, there's a follow-up question to all this too, which is what's the end game for, for it directors. But, um, you know, Anyways, how is it moving from MSP to director role? Well, you know, I had a feeling you would ask me that. And, and, and you know, there's a really good reason for it. Um, when I, you know, after UC, I, I moved up to Northeast Ohio in 2001 and uh, went to Kent State. And, and when I finished there, my first job out of uh, college and, and really getting my career going, I worked for a very large international manufacturer called Swagelock um, and uh, doing network administration. And they're a very, very big, successful company. And they, they paid for a lot of my 20 some certs and they, they, you know, really got the ground running and, and networking and, and, and everything that, you know, administrative that I, I need to go. And, you know, it was early uh, in my career and I had a, a recruiter reach out to me and uh you know uh the corporate headquarters for key bank is here in cleveland 
And I got a job there doing IT security on the trade floor. You know, another big company assets of 91 billion, you know, and, uh, you know, I was, I was helping uh, the markets, uh, the market data and the trade floor and, and, and catching, you know, people making bad shady trades with other banks and, you know, got to the point where, you know, sometimes they prosecute because it was so bad, but, you know, most of the times it was their job, but regardless, I would go to work every day and I'd start to get looks. Can you, you explain know? that real quick? Yeah. What is a shady trade? Okay. So, um, because we got to make this, you know, we got to make this fun, you know, like I want to talk about some shady stuff. <laughs> yeah. So day traders, you know, sign, you know, sign up for an organization to be a trader. They, they, uh, you know, sign a lot of legal stuff saying that they won't, uh, you know, work with other banks to, to make money outside of building in revenue for the banks and so forth and stuff like that. So, you know, someone on their personal phone on, on the secure Wi-Fi having a conversation and they're a key, you're a key. And then they're a chase bank and, you know, uh, there's money that's missing and, and stuff and violations in the Bloomberg software. That's a shady trade. So, you know, what, um, what did they do? How did the, well, how did the two shady people make money? I just want to, you got to help me because I'm kind of a simpleton, right? I'm a very simple minded person. It's like work hard, do this, you'll get paid. You know what I mean? So I don't think, you know, very, I, I don't think I would be a good criminal, even if I wanted to be right. Um, yeah. Maybe that's the reason why I'm not, you know, like, people that want to be criminals really think about it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, how did they make money? Like what happened? So, you know, the banks give a lot of tools and technology to day traders that the, the your, your average uh, day trader or someone just, you know, starting up as an independent day trader don't, don't have. Okay. And, you know, so utilizing people, you know, at other banks that have even more technology, mm -hmm. you know, and and using that and working together to make profit for yourself, not the bank. That's right. shady. Okay. So, but I felt like I was gonna get jumped at, after a certain point in time because you know if I caught somebody and they they lost their job, you know they still have buddies working at the bank, so I'd get in and the elevator. People look at me like they're ready to kill me, and I'm like, okay, I need a change. All so, right, man. You were uh, you were a high school wrestler and football player, so you could just look at them and be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, Ohio. Uh, I have a I have a certain uh, stereotype about people from Ohio and Cleveland, um, and or I guess Cincinnati in your case. So it's because uh, my friend and I growing up, like we went through like the stupid kind of like bully stage, not the bully stage, but where I was like between sixth grade and like seventh grade, and I remember there was like we would get bullied. So do you remember how like back in the day it used to just kind of like flow downhill, like seniors bullied, like, you know, freshmen and stuff. I don't know if it works that way in high school anymore, but there was kind of like kids would get stuffed in lockers and stuff like that. And before we had our licenses, I remember the seniors used to drive by and they're like pickup trucks, like while we're on, um, our bikes or whatever. And they had their like mufflers drilled out and stuff and like almost run us off the road. So I just think naturally we did that to other kids as well when we got older. But I remember these two little kids were like, Hey, watch out. You know, and like these kids were like, we're going to get a big brothers and they're going to kick your butt. And we're like, yeah, whatever. And then, uh, so then we're, we're riding our bikes down the street one day 
And we see these two little kids that again, like come, they weren't little. They're like, you know, whatever, fifth grade, fourth grade, they come running out of the house. And then like three huge guys come barreling out after them as well. They're like, what were you doing? Picking on a big brother. And we're like, uh, I was, I just kind of froze. And like, uh, my, and my friend who's like this big dude from Maine, he kind of just naturally like flows right into this, like, I don't know, like survival mode or something. And he was like, Hey, are you Mike? And he was like, no. We're like, man, you look just like Mike. Anyways, all right, see you later. And like, then we rode off. We were okay. But before we did that, we're like, you know, uh, what's you guys aren't from around here. Where are you from? They're like, yeah, we're from Ohio. <laughs> and I was like, uh, <laughs> and, uh, ever since then, I was like, yo, don't mess the guys from Ohio. That's all I know. Yeah, so, I guess we got a lot of pride, you know, what it is, what, <laughs> you know, um, I'll tell you what, you know, it's funny because back in the day, you know, you want to talk about bullies. So, you know, it, it blows my mind because, you know, back then we used our fists. Okay. And, you know, there's a problem from with so you, you beef with somebody. Everybody's, oh, you can't fight on school grounds because, you know, nobody wants to get in trouble, you know. And we had like our parks. I'll never forget, like, you know, I'm going to see you at the park and then the crowds would gather there and, you know, and people, we would use our fists and it was that. You know, it, it blows my mind because that shifted gears so much. There is no more of that. It's um, uh, social media. Yeah. Oh, my God. It slammed me. And, you know, um, well, instead of using your fists and, 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 you know, like a man, you know, let's just bring guns and shift the school and then kill everyone. You know, it, it just blows my mind how how amazing it, it has changed for our kids. I, it drives me nuts just but I'm guilty of it too, you know, we're just having your, your phones, uh, you know, out all the time and, and, you know, then seeing them going in tears, oh, so-and-so slammed me on Snapchat. I'm like, why? What? You know, really? Yeah, you know? Kinda, yeah, it is. Yeah, there was that. There wasn't that. We didn't have that in high school. No, no, we just no. We didn't have that. It was There was definitely fights and yeah, there was definitely that. And uh yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. I, that's why I homeschool all my kids, to be honest with you. I get it. You know, it's it, that's a whole other story. I just, you know. And it wasn't that I was always homeschooling my kids. I wasn't. I was, um, they were going to school and then yeah. uh, just too many weird things happened. And I'm like, no, sorry. Yeah, um, different world for, for sure. Yeah. So this is oh, yeah. the, this is the part of the show then that we talk. Well, we already know what you did before the invention of the internet. Pretty much. I have that section of the show. So we have, we have another section of the show. That's like, do you ascribe to any, or is it possible that any, um, conspiracy theories might be true? Well, um, you know, yes and no, but you know, I, I guess the finish, and I'm sorry, it took me a while to finish your first question. Why the leap uh, yeah. from, you know, Oh yes. It, yes. We never finished see this. I'm ADD. So. Well, it's okay. Uh, maybe I think I am. Maybe it just be coffee. It might just be a lot of coffee. It's a, it's a, it's a good. It, you know, I'll keep it short. But like, it's a good story. I, you know, I am where I am because of it. But so anyway, I called that recruiter who got me into the bank, and I said, okay, and you know, enough. I can't do this anymore. You know, I'm, I'm nervous. I might and, die. Right, I might get right. killed. Get me out. Okay. I got, don't worry. I got another guy that'll go perfect for that role. All right. Well, it was <laughs> bad enough, man, because, you know, <laughs> I, 
started working downtown Cleveland. And back then, you know, you went downtown to Cleveland to either work or get murdered. Okay. And that was it, <laughs> you know, now I, I'm in I Hartford, never- Connecticut. I, I think I know what you mean. Anyways, <laughs> I don't think you go downtown to work though. I don't think there's anything working going on in Hartford right now, but go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, And, and I never in my life, you know, uh, cause I worked for a de- de- a little over a decade at downtown. I never saw any transition like, you know, from like the place not to be in the crime to the place everyone wants to live at. It just, now it's, it's just, it's beautiful. Everybody wants to be downtown and it's awesome. Um, but that's they gentrified, another... they gentrified. <laughs> the mayor is so, using gentrification. Anyways, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. We brought in a, is there a baseball, is there a baseball team downtown right now? Do you guys have a baseball team? There must be like, there's gotta be a stadium down there. We brought in the stadium. We brought in Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts. And I don't know. Are you guys you in know, Starbucks? Are you a Starbucks territory, uh, a caribou coffee territory or Dunkin' Donuts? What is that? That's how we um, New England's Dunkin'. I, every now and then I'll treat myself. I really don't like to waste money there. And I, I, I I'm not saying this- you have to go get coffee there. I'm just saying, you know, by driving through a place like, oh, this is a Starbucks territory. Oh, this is a Dunkin' Donuts territory. Like New England's oh, Dunkin' oh, Donuts. Yeah. They're like, what's yeah. up, guy, you wicked, stupid mother? What do you mean you're not drinking Dunkin' Donuts? You know, <laughs> that's just how it is around here. But anyways. No, so you never see them like across the street from each other. It's like this neighborhood owns Dunkin' and this one's a Starbucks. You know, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. I don't know. Um, anyways. So anyways, you got to an MSP and I don't know where we're going with this, but you were going to get killed at Key Bank. <laughs> I reached out to the recruiter. I said, okay, get me out of here. And that's where I got the opportunity to work for CBS television. And I became the IT manager there. Yep. And, um, you know, what an amazing experience, you know, obviously very big uh, organization, you know, uh-huh. 20, 2016 was one of the craziest years of my life. We covered the, uh, uh, the Cavs championship, the parade with millions down there all the way to the mm. horns. You know, Trump was in the RNC there and all the way, you know, I was on media row and then the Indians went to the World Series and just, you know, I talk about a year of wow. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I did that for a good um, five and a half, six years. And, and then um, it, then I started to get tired and bothered. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I had been with three big corporations and, you know, I, I shrugged it all the time. And, and, you know, but a lot of times with these big billion dollar companies, you are a puppet on a string. And I hated feeling like that. You're just a number. Okay. And it's not like I needed gratification. I didn't need pat on the back. I knew if I was doing a good job, mm-hmm. but it was like, damn, you know, every now and then it'd be great. And I, I wanted to be more entrepreneurial. And so you know, leaving CBS was very tough, but, but, you know, that's when I, I started with, um, you know, the MSP world and I started as a chief engineer and I'll tell you what, I got more pride and joy helping out a small to medium sized business become more secure and successful than I ever did saving five to $10 million with CBS or, or, or key or anything like that. It just was more gratifying. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the big companies, you know, they're like, you know, oh, yeah, well, you did that. That's great. That's that's your job. That's uh, you're good, good for you for doing what you do. What's next? It's like, huh, really, man, I was proud of that. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, um, no. It, and I did so well in the MSP one. I, I had such a pride for it. I've mastered being able to go into almost any and every type of infrastructure and, and, and business. It doesn't matter the industry, you know. Before it was banking, broadcasting, television, manufacturing, this and that. And when I got into the MSP, it 
you know, the clientele didn't matter. I mean, it was so spread out. It didn't matter. We even had people who manufactured fertilizer. It did, it did not matter. And uh, I, I took so much pride. I did so well uh, there that, like I said, I got awarded my own uh, franchise. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm like my dad, hey, that, that entrepreneur. Yeah. And, um, you know, so doing that for a while, you know, I realized that, you know what, I'm better running operations in IT for a corporation instead of trying to do that and run a business at the same time and marketing. You know, I had made it to the top of the, of the chain with the MSP world and, and it was great, but I needed to get back into that instead of an owner, I needed to get back into that niche. And, uh, you know, I got, I had three job interviews. You know, I, I, I had some business partners when I had the, uh, the franchise yep. and, you know, all I can say is that if you're not in line, if you're not in a line with your, your business partners, somebody needs to, to make a move. And so, you know, I decided to do it because I knew, you know, I wanted out of kind of the business, you know, ownership role yep. and back to my niche. And so the three interviews I had, I was, you know, company downtown, a big company in, in a suburb here called Mayfield, you know, very big company. And uh, here at Cast Island. and, you know, the recruiter that I worked with, he really... You really helped me make the decision because, you know, they're like, Rick, if you go with one of these big companies, you're going to kick yourself in the head. This is the reason why you got out of the large corporation industry. You know, a company like like this has been around for 40 years, successful. They're growing. They're not big. You know, they got maybe 150 people. Um, but, you know, they, they, they're more of a family base. They treat their people well. And when you do that, you know, you produce well. And, um, you know, so I decided to take this role. And what's great is that I didn't walk into a nightmare. You know, everything's pretty solid here. Uh, just needs fine tuning. And, and you know, I'm, I'm trying to move mountains, which is great. But, you know, I think the best and most successful companies out there that that really take advantage and utilize technology to the to the full are those that are set up kind of like where I'm at and I'm going to tell you why. So they have myself and a small team of, of IT. And then we also utilize an MSP, a very good one, very dependable one. And the reason it works out, out so well is because, okay, all of our systems, our servers are, are monitored, networked. We have a, a help desk, you know, and ticketing and, you know, everything is, is 99% of all the issues can be solved remotely you know, from, from our help desk and, and stuff. But what does that mean? Then why am I here? Well, then it allows me to do bigger and better things for the company, you know, to help it as a whole. You know, right now I'm working on some huge migrations for the bread and butter application of this company, you know. And, you know, when you have kind of a setup like that, that mold where you've got a reliable MSP um, and a, an amazing team, you know, sky's the limit. And it's still more cost efficient because, you know, if I were to add three, four more bodies here, you know, that's another, you know, few hundred thousand dollars rather than, you know, what we spend to our MSP. So yeah, there is a hybrid, there is a hybrid return on investment mm -hmm. um, that's very useful. Yeah. You don't need, there's, there's a lot of things that can be, I don't know, want to say outsourced it's kind of just a weird word but outsourced um that are not really worth your staff's time and energy i guess you know what i mean like uh 
you know, they say, don't ever, you should never be doing $10 tasks, right? Or you should never be doing nowadays. It's probably $50 an hour tasks. I don't know, whatever it is, but, um, the, by the way, the recruit. So what I want to ask here is because there's a lot of people, I think there's this mentality. There's a lot of it directors that have a mentality of like, oh man, I just need to get a job or I just need to get this. And my philosophy is always like, no, I think you should pick the companies that you want to work at. And then I think you should go after those companies and help solve their technology problems. Your recruiter sounds like he was like a special recruiter. Is that someone that you went after or he found you or how did that go? And should we mention him? You know, we 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 have a, a great relationship. You know, he took me out of kind of my first uh, role in IT and got me into you know uh, bigger and better things like with the bank and, and the TV stations and yep. you know and then and and now you know so I mean Mertech Consulting you know here in Cleveland you know hats off to you guys um, you know they they put me every time that I have made a change made a move I had a lot of input on it and I also only did better and it only made me stronger in my roles and right. you know I head on the nail when you said that you should be able to kind of pick and choose. You know, IT is so broad. You know, you got to find, are you an infrastructure? Are you a systems guy? You know, I got kind of lucky because I guess I have those communication skills and have acquired some sales skills because, um, you know, that I didn't know I had, but, you know, I, I got that gift to, to, to communicate and gab. And, and that's that's a hard, hard skill. I think there's a piece, though, that's so important. I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm just, I mean, I do mean to interrupt you. i doing that on purpose that's what people do when they interrupt you um is what's you you have a lot of experience running um an msp a lot of hardcore running a business like pains and frustrations and juggling wearing multiple hats and and doing that that's not an easy thing so that there's a level of experience there that helps you be a better director of IT, right? As far as like knowing how a business works, right? Um, having to have tough conversations, having to do all that. So that right there is is priceless alone. That's a lot of things that people just don't have that. But I've seen other people move from that role where they're a business partner in MSP and go be a director of information technology and do just be so much happier and run a team of people and grow other people inside their director of information. I'm just thinking of it now. I just, a bunch of people came to my head that I, that I know and, and then grow a company to go public and then cash out. And that was it. That was the end game. But, um, so I do want to ask you like, what's, you know, where, you know, where do you, it's stupid, but like, it sounds like so cliche. Like, where do you see yourself? Um, but no, in reality, like, yeah, where do you see yourself? What is the end game for IT directors? Because I'm hoping it's not just like, well, I'm going to ride out a 401k and, you know, and then I'll be in a nursing home and, you know, I'll piss off like everyone else. What is it? Well, you know, here's, it's a great question. I, my goal, and if I can do it, I want to retire by 55. But if I could do anything, you know, at all, anything in the world, I'd be a college professor. I would teach. Okay. Oh, that's great. I, lo I, I love teaching. And, you know, it goes back to us, Phil, where we're talking about our kids, this generation, how crazy it is. You know, I, I want after my 30. You just inspired me. This is the first time I think I've, I, I, I this is the first time I've asked the question and been inspired. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm dead at 200 plus episodes. This is the first time someone has finally answered that question in an inspirational way. Keep going. Uh, College professor. Yeah. I want to get paid little to nothing but love life. 
Right. And and that's the thing. I don't ever see myself just being retired and stopping and stop moving. I, I'm going to have to do something. But, you know, if, if you know, that, that's the problem, though, that, you know, you, you don't make much money, but, you know, it's still passion. No, so- no, 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 no. See, this is it. This is it, because that's the perfect. I used to make I still do make fun of professors or people that say, look, I just want to be a professor. I just want to be a professor. But if you've already been successful and you've already made your money and you could retire and do nothing, but then you become the college professor, that's the person I want to learn from. That's the person I want to learn from. That's not the guy that wasn't good enough that just became a professor and he couldn't go out and make money on his own. Like for example, Bill Gates dropped out. He was in the same uh, class as my brother at Harvard. They were both in the same class together. Bill Gates dropped out of college. My brother graduated. What's the difference? One's way more successful, right? It's the same thing with uh, whatever Facebook guy, which I really hope they fight in the UFC and you know Elon. That would just that would be like the best for me. I would just really love that to happen. It was all farce. Anyways, those are the people that we want to learn from. That's yeah. a great idea. So, anyways, please do it. That's what I wanted. That's what I, I'm going to do. I, you know, I, I put it. I, I, it goes back to you know Reza and Saeed and since then, hey, they took me in with open arms. You know, they didn't have to. You know, and if I can retire and be a professor and help guide these kids to, especially if they want to get into, you know, IT and infrastructure and cybersecurity, all that, uh-huh. you know, that that I give them that reality check. You know, okay, I, I want to be able, to, you know, to say, listen, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive, and you know, I I want you to just respect me and and get them not up to par, not at my you know standard, but I want them to go out into the world with a better understanding and give that back because I got I've been so blessed with people who have given me wisdom and advice and you know uh, it was- I love it I love it um you said it was Reza and Saeed yes okay my uh, my daughter my oldest daughter uh married a, an electrical engineer from Yemen okay. and uh they named my first grandson Saeed Okay. Which well, means and Saeed means happy. And he's definitely a happy kid. So uh it's a great it's a it's a great name. It's a great name. So uh this podcast was meant to be, right? Yeah, man. Of course, of course. It all is. Of course it all is. Um it has been a pleasure ha- uh having you on the show. I'm I'm leaving off we're leaving off on this because um, you know, retiring and becoming a teacher and giving back that's it's the best answer to the question I've ever had. So I, I really appreciate you having on the show. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much. Any final words for um, anyone out there listening? No, just you know, keep uh, don't give up on your your dreams, and you know, w- when someone helps you, do the do the same thing to other, someone else. You know, um, appreciate you having me on here. It's been an honor, and you know, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs>